Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Radio you can touch. Showtime. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Ready. This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. Now you feel good because Max, who has a sense of humor of a pie. Who threw those pies? Who threw those pies? Oh, I threw the pies. Either I'm losing it, my grasp on humor. I mean, I I don't know, man. Jeff Lutz. Just be honest. The downtown athletic club has no idea what you're doing. They, they don't know you exist. Hey, listen, listen. There's a phone call for you. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. No logic, no reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Are you ready? Let's go! Hello, everybody. It is a Tuesday edition of the Bob and Jeff Show on KFH Radio. I'm Bob Lutz. Jeff Lutz is here as co-host, Max Power Producing Engineering. And the phone number is 869-1240. Uh, kind of shocking news, especially for Bucks fans and those of us here in Wichita. One of our own, Adrian Griffin, uh, let go, dismissed. I have not as seen the head that. coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I'm not sure what the heck's going on. They have the second best record in the NBA. I've heard a lot of things about Giannis maybe not taking a particular liking. Here's what to I got. Adrian here's Griffin. what I got to say to Giannis. You didn't like Budenholzer. You didn't like it. I don't care who you like. Uh, you're here. We pay you to play. Did he not like Budenholzer? No. Because they won a championship with him. You're here to play. And uh, it, whether you have cozied up to the new coach is irrelevant to me. Well, it's not irrelevant to the future of that franchise, unfortunately. What happened to the good old days where you players played and coaches coached and general managers, general manage. Well, have you ever made 45 times the amount of money as one of your bosses? Yes. Really? I don't make 45 times the amount you make. but uh, I'm your boss. I no, love it. I don't make 45 times the amount Tony Deucing makes. But it's in the neighborhood. Okay, well, that's good. Well, then maybe he'll be let go at your influence at some point. No, I like Tony. And I, I don't think I could go to the powers that be at uh, Odyssey and, and express my concern and have it taken seriously. Well, Giannis can go to the powers that be. So you're be. for that. I'm not for it. I'm telling you how it is. That's I'm a truth teller on this show. Do the players hire the coach? Uh, not in a traditional sense, but in a, in a modern sense, yeah, they kind of do. So what's the coach do? I don't know. You Tell me what the modern coach in the NBA does with a bunch of millionaires, some of whom have now give, been given the authority to hire and fire you. What is what does what does a coach do in that well, situation? It's not, I don't think it's just that. It might be. It's probably a lot of Giannis, but also Milwaukee defensively is not where they need to be. 
And I think that's a consideration because the numbers they have defensively don't lend themselves to a team that's going to go far in the playoffs. Um, And, you know, they've come up short in some ways. Now are they still the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis and Middleton and Brooke Lopez and a bunch of good players? Yes. Their ceiling is high. But they haven't reached their potential so far this season. They rank 25th in the league in points allowed. Ahead of only San Antonio, Atlanta, Detroit, the Indiana Pacers, and Washington. Why aren't we firing Rick Carlisle? Hey, I don't. that's a, not a well, bad give me question. An, give me an answer. Because theirs is a style of play, right? They score 150 and give up 148. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit different. I'm sure Milwaukee's probably up there and scoring. Yeah, you know what I'm looking up right now. They have Giannis. You know me so well. But I don't watch Milwaukee every night. I can't speak. I've only seen them play when they've played the Pacers, five games. And defensively, they were terrible in those games. Uh, And and Indiana won four of them. Points, Indiana won, Milwaukee two. Why can't Milwaukee play the same as Indiana and then have a better record and a better team for it? Why can't they? Answer me. You going to be okay? No, I'm upset. I don't like to see one of our own uh, mistreated like this without knowing anything that may have happened off the court, any any of that stuff. I don't know. I could change my mind. Uh, but given you, you're, you're here, oh, the Pacers, they're so good. I've well, never said the they're Bucks so are good. A better version of the Pacers. I've never said they're so good, and they're, they're not a better version. We beat them four out of five. So while they have a better record. The record is better, but I can't say that they're definitively a better team. I can. They've had a better season. I can. Uh, Tyrese that. Halliburton is injured right now, and that's not good. He's out for at least the next three. And we got Denver. I don't care Boston, who we got. Phoenix. I, I don't care about that. What I care about is trying to figure out how much power players have in the NBA. More than coaches. Then why have a coach? You got to have somebody. Why not just have a team. And uh, why pay all these guys? Have you ever seen an NBA bench? Do you ever you, do you ever look over at the bench and see how many coaches they have? A lot. Analytics, assistants, uh, take care of this, go get me that. It's there's ten coaches per team. Why? Different. Why are there what ten baseball coaches do? per team? What do they do? Why are there ten baseball coaches? Why why do you need two pitching coaches, two hitting coaches, a bench coach? You got to make pitching changes. You make a lineup. These guys, what do they do? Coach. Boy, I'm. You're, 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 scout. you're they, presenting they, a flimsy. They run practices. They, they run scout team. The next guy scouts for the second uh, farthest away opponent. You know what I'm saying? Like Knowing that any at any moment, a player with the, uh, with the cloud of a Giannis. And not, listen, I like Giannis, so I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not. I don't. Just because you say he might have had a, an issue with Griffin, that does. Well, I don't he's, take that. He's been occasionally disengaged. You see him not really in the huddle sometimes. He's over on the scores table. I don't think this partnership has taken off uh, from a, a solid foundation. Well, if that's the case, then I blame Giannis. And maybe that's maybe that's enough. I don't know. I'm not. I know there. Adrian Griffin not to be a hothead, not to be. Well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe he's too old school. Maybe this is his first gig, and he's he's he missed the mark somehow. I don't know. But this might you can't. I feel bad because how is he now going to get another head coach? Well, that's job? what I mean. 
unless some other player says, I want him. That has nothing to do, apparently, with uh, anything else. It's just a mus- musical chair of players who want to hire the head coach. Well, they want to have a say in who is the head coach. Well, I, don't, I can't believe you're defending that. Uh, how am I defending it? I'm explaining to you how it is. So let's say for some reason uh, you couldn't do this show anymore. You think Tony Deucing is going to give me a say in who the next co-host is? Yes, I and do. And you better. Uh, <laughs> so why would he? Why? I mean, he will. He would. I don't think that's debatable. He's not just going to plant someone in the seat and have a terrible show, although without me it would not be very good. Well, I don't know. I do fine with Duda. I, I do, do fine, fine with, with, uh, with the the big fella. You do fine. I do fine with uh, we anybody. All do f- we all do fine. Anybody who's thrust into this position, I do great with. No, great now. Yeah, I fine. do great with Duda. Fine's probably the word. No, I do great no, with Duda. No, I do great with Duda. And then when it's the three of us, it's because of me that we're great. And all I can think of right now is KU Pat. Really? <laughs> yes. What's he got to do with Because he would anything? disagree with you. Okay, KU Pat's old. Again, there you go, old. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that was uh, unpleasant news uh, because I was so excited when Adrian Griffin got that job. He'd been we dreaming of a head coaching job, and uh, now here it's gone. And I feel bad for the guy. I hope I do somebody – maybe the Lakers will bring him in. And and is Darwin really? Ham working out? Darwin, no. Is he working out? Not really. Why is LeBron hanging on to him? I don't know. Maybe Rob Palinka has and Jeannie Buss have more say than uh, the Bucks people up up top. I can't wait to see the uh, fallout from this. I'm looking forward to reading the stories because this is a major change. I, I can't imagine a coach with the second best record in whatever league he's in getting fired. Well, they, they have mean, the that, second best record fun. in the conference, right? Second best record in the league. I don't think that's right. Well, I don't care what you think's right. I, I, I'm the one who told you. You did tell me. They have the, that Boston has a better record, and they are tied with Minnesota. What's, for the their, second what's best their record? 30-13. and 13. Wow, I didn't know that their record was that good. 30-13. and 13. And they're firing him? Again. I don't know. Aren't you outraged? I'm not outraged. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but we know that there must be deeper issues. Well, I don't know that. That doesn't just happen. I don't know if there are deeper issues or not. Because the Bucs are a good team. Uh, Last night, Joel Embiid was 70. I watched him score the last 10 or so against a team that is so bad uh, that they weren't really guarding him late. No, San Antonio. I thought you were the NBA guy. Yeah, I didn't watch the NBA. I was trying to. I couldn't remember who they played. My deepest apologies. I mean, I you know, yeah, because he, he went against Wimbanyana and he had and then thirty-three. Carl and, Anthony Towns had forty-four at halftime, and finished with sixty-two, and they lost. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, he was taking pretty much every shot for the uh, Timberwolves. So that's uh, I believe the fourth, the first time in. I saw this number. 
the first time in over 40 years that two players have ever scored 60 or more on the same night, and only the fourth time ever. Yeah, I would believe that. It doesn't uh, doesn't come around very often, although in the last four or five years, we've had quite a few of those games, it seems like. Didn't Donovan Mitchell have like 70 and Devin Booker? Some of these guys have been scoring a lot of points. 81 and 100 have stood as one and two, but they've been threatened, so we'll see. Not 100, but 81 has. How good is Embiid? Is he good enough to win a title? Yes, Philadelphia is very good and scary. I kind of just leave him on the side and don't really think about him that often. But Well, he's going to be the MVP again, I would guess, unless he, it's Jokic. But he's something else, man. I know. It's incredible. We have these three guys. He's the biggest person in the world, and he plays like a shooting guard. And he doesn't miss free throws, and he shoots threes, and he's nimble. And yeah. he's, like I said, he's the biggest guy in the world. It's impressive. He backed a guy in last night in the fourth quarter because that's all I watched. I wanted to see if he could get to 70. And he backed a guy in in two steps from the foul line, just manhandled him and laid it in. It was like something you see on the playground. Yeah, he's unguardable. <clears throat> it's ridiculous. Does he count as a KU guy? If you played at KU. So, yes. Well, that's that's something else, isn't it? it? Here's what we have on the show today, since you're disengaged. I'm not disengaged. <laughs> At 225, Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star will weigh in on the Chiefs. They, of course, are in the AFC title game. Coming up Sunday afternoon in Baltimore against the Ravens. They are early underdogs in that game. They will remain underdogs in that game. Uh, but we'll see uh, what Jesse thinks about their chances. At 245, Chris Strathman, the head girls basketball coach at McPherson, uh, where they uh, have another juggernaut team. Just uh, uh, That's something you can bank on. McPherson is always going to be good. Yeah, and pretty it's much. What level of good. And pretty much everything. They're amazing up in that uh, small Kansas community. I think I'm going to drive up there some weekend and just drive around the town all right what do you think of that no i did that in newton and thoroughly enjoyed it i don't it. think much of it to be honest when did you do that in newton oh in the fall we went up there for uh for lunch with some of our friends don't you want to know who no <laughs> of course I, you do i don't you're the nosiest person i I've ever really seen. that's why not. you opened my are we gonna let go of that at, at some point at some point but anyway while the the women did some shopping in an antique store. Uh, my friend and I went driving around the city and uh, just were amazed at, by Newton. Amazed? So I, yeah. I've never been that deep into Newton. It's a nice community. It's but were you of, amazed? They got a lot of stuff going on. But were you amazed? I was. I, I said to him, this is amazing. <laughs> no, really, that's how I said it. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I'm sure you did. I said, listen, I didn't know they had this much stuff in Newton. That's crazy. And uh, I, went, I went around in Elkhart, and I said, wow. No, Elkhart this, would be a nice. Incredible. You know what? Elkhart would. See, you're not funny. Elkhart <laughs> would be a great day trip, although it would take two days because it's right out there on the Kansas-Colorado border. Yeah, it's amazing. And you know they had an NBC team for several years. Dusters. They did, and they were pretty good. Uh, never won it, but they were uh, they played in the NBC World Series. I'll I'll say three times maybe. 
And I might be wrong about that. They may have played more. Well, let's find out. Uh, but Elkhart, uh, nice community from all I'm told. Never, I've never set foot in Elkhart. Really? Can't say that about a lot of Kansas communities. But I, that, I hear you. That could be a day trip. You never well, know. You know it's meatloaf day at Leakers. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> and I went out there and I bought uh, our meatloaf, and then I got a meal for tomorrow as well. So I bought some of the scalloped potatoes and ham and chicken and noodles. And, chicken uh, and noodles? And Why didn't you give me some of that? Carrying the groceries out, I tipped the bag, and it was all over the place. So I made, I made my best effort to get it cleaned up and, and servable here for later this evening. Yeah, but that, I dropped the ball a little bit on that one. Yeah, sounds like it. Do you know the uh, the most famous former Elkhart duster? No. Former journeyman catcher? No. Rod Barajas. Rod Barajas. Good for him. He was an Elkhart duster. Played, played for the dusters. He did. Back in the day. Uh, that's good enough. That's good stuff. Uh, so we got a game coming up in hour number two. I'm going to let uh, Max participate in the game. All today. right. The Oscar nominations came out earlier today. We'll hold off on that. We'll talk about it tomorrow with Mike Furches. I'm I'm very much into that stuff, as you know, and it bothers you. It doesn't bother me. You don't understand it. I do not. I don't understand why you don't understand it. I love movies. I've re- You ought to be happy. I was worried that I was done. With I love movies too, but I don't care who wins the Oscar. I, I mean, care. Those I, things matter to me. You you want to feel validated. I don't I need I don't care about validation. I don't need that. I like watching good movies. And you want your movie that you like to win best picture. No, I like I like all the nominees, although there's 3 of them I haven't seen yet, so I got to get on that. Which 3? I got to look. Uh, so I gotta, I gotta make sure that I've seen all the. How many nominees are there for Best Picture? Five. No, nine. There's more than three I haven't seen. I've got nine to go. Uh, well, th- and brag about that. That means you're <laughs> detached. Uh, no, not, no, it doesn't. You don't participate. That, and and that's wonderful. Uh, people like you really stir the pot. You really make the world go around. Thank you. I don't want to conform. I don't care. And that's not and, about and, conforming. And, 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 it's about... And nobody wants to hear that. Who wants to conform? Like, who wants to... I want to conform and watch the good movies. If that's... But your opinion is what makes it good. If that's conforming, then more power to me. It is, kind of. You're letting uh, someone else tell you what the good movie is. Also, sad news today that... Just happened or earlier this afternoon, or at least we were notified about it. Charles Osgood, who was had maybe the best presentation ever, the voice, the mannerisms, the way he went about broadcasting. Uh, I don't know that there's ever been anyone better than Charles Osgood. He passed away at the age of 91, and that's sad to me. Not to you, because... I'm sad. I watch CBS Sunday Morning all the time when he was on. I don't watch it as much now, um, but I did, and it's weird. Well, we're sad about Charles Osgood. Yeah. Uh, Max, if you can, uh, as we go to one of these breaks, if you can play some Charles Osgood, because there's probably, probably people listening to the show who may not know the name but would certainly recognize the voice. And uh, he's got one of the most recognizable voices uh, in the history of broadcasting. 
He was just everywhere. He's been around forever. It's, it's a soothing voice. It is a soothing, a calming voice. voice, much like mine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, I mean, some people would be soothed by my voice. They would. My dog. Well, she's sleeping, so I guess that counts. She's soothed by pretty much everything I do. In her mind, I'm the best. That's right. And if you transferred her to another owner tomorrow, that person. No, they wouldn't. She'd forever be wondering, where's that man? Where's that man I love? You know? Probably. And how dare you say something? I'm just saying, dogs are very loyal. What about cats? No, not as much. Yeah, I'll take I'll take your but cat, and they'll be the happiest cat. My in the cats world. are loyal. They they hang out with us. All right, Max. Uh, let's get to a break. We're going to talk some Chiefs with uh, Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star uh, ahead of their game for the AFC Championship and another trip to the to the Super Bowl. Uh, Jesse Newell from the Star joins us next. Sunday morning has been, without a doubt, the most satisfying 22 years of my life in broadcasting. Right now, I'm proud to tell you that my successor will be someone we all know and think the world of. Jane Pauley, congratulations and welcome. Thank you so much, Charlie. I am honored beyond words to follow in your footsteps. But enough about me. I have news about your bow tie. The bow tie you are wearing right now is bound for the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History in Washington, where it will join Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFA. Here's Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and the Ravens coming up uh, on Sunday afternoon in uh, Baltimore, Kansas City. Currently a three-and-a-half point underdog in that game. Jesse, welcome. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going well. So I've watched the Ravens play a lot. I've watched the Chiefs play a lot. The Ravens have looked to me, and as good as the, as the Chiefs have been and, and are, and I respect everything about them, the Ravens look to me like they've been somewhat, they've kind of separated themselves to some degree. Is three and a half points enough, you think? Yeah, it depends on your perspective here. Um, to your point, I mean, if you look at some of the numbers out there, I, I really respect the DOA, which is kind of one that looks at every play that you've had and you compares it to, you know, what you've done against um, schedule adjusted defense and offense and Baltimore right now is like a historically good team. I mean, like top five in the last 30 or 40 years since this thing has been tracked. And so to your point, yes, then the numbers are back up exactly what you're saying, which is the Ravens have sort of separated themselves as one of the elite teams, not only this year, but of recent memory. Uh, the, the problem for them in this particular game is that, you know, what chiefs team are they going to face? 
because that offense that I saw from the Chiefs on Sunday was not the offense I saw the rest of the year. That was the 2019 offense. That was the 2020 offense. That was the best of the best of the best of Patrick Mahomes and a really good Travis Kelsey. We haven't seen that all uh, throughout the course of the year. So I think there is a little bit of, at least when it comes to betters or Vegas, uh, there's a little bit of hesitation to go too far in the way uh, toward the Ravens just because um, this version of the Chiefs, what we saw against the Bills, is unlike the previous version of the Chiefs that we saw for so much of the regular season. So if Mahomes is just going to have one of those vintage performances again, this matchup might be closer than we think, and that's probably why that line hasn't moved quite as much. But to your point, I do think Baltimore is really, really good. I think they have separated themselves not only among teams this year, but maybe some teams here of the recent past. Yeah, so the things you were just talking about uh, kind of uh, relate to my question a little bit. I was going to ask you kind of what will have happened if the Chiefs get to and and win the Super Bowl. Will it be because they found the the rewind to their offense back to, like you said, 2019? Is it because Rasheed Rice is now a number one receiver? Is it coaching? Is it they've played three teams who don't have the experience of, of winning these games? Or is it just kind of a combination of all of those things? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing would be this is football, and this is the NFL especially, and this is where the Chiefs have the advantage. Good offense beats good defense. Uh, I think you saw a great example of this past Chiefs game against the Bills where like, Jerry Steen hasn't given up a touchdown all year. The Chiefs seem to have Josh Allen scramble mode under pressure, and he rolls out to his left and just throws a dart in the end zone to Cleo Shakir, who catches it on a knee and rolls out of bounds, and it's just perfect execution. You know what I mean? Like the Chiefs did – things well in that play defensively you know they flushed him they had good coverage they had things mostly covered up and it doesn't matter you know if you're a good offense you can overcome that I remember we talked last year about hey the Chiefs were facing the number one defense in the NFL and the the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl how will their offense do against a really good defense well in a low possession game they scored 38 points and then won 38 to 35 I mean that's that's the, the ticket to the Chiefs success is just you know, can you game plan something against the Ravens that's going to work? And then can your quarterback just be better than the other quarterback? Can he just elevate your team so much that most of this other stuff just doesn't matter? And, and sort of like that Josh Allen played at Khalil Shakir where the Chiefs defense did a lot of good things, but it didn't matter because the quarterback makes a really good play, the receiver makes a really good play. Uh, that's your hope if you're a Chiefs fan. It's just that all the rest of this stuff that's happened earlier in the season and that's happened throughout the season, both for the Chiefs and for the Ravens, it just doesn't matter as much because all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes is going to play at his Hall of Fame level and the absolute top of the top of what he's done. And if that happens, then this should be a great game. Well, I'm listening to you, and I'm trying to I'm trying to figure it all out. We're talking with Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star because I agree with you. If the Chiefs are the Chiefs uh, that we saw in previous years, they certainly are capable of beating anybody. But like you talked about and like I believe, I think the Ravens are a team that, maybe is better than any team we've seen in the last uh, 10 years or so, maybe even including those great Chiefs team because they do it on both sides of the football. They have an MVP caliber quarterback. They run the ball extremely well. They've had receivers develop. They got Mark Andrews coming back. Uh, I I feel like I'm not giving the Chiefs enough of a chance here, Uh, and and I, I feel like that could burn me, Jesse. It's tough. I mean, listen, guys, just truth serum here. Like, I picked the Bills to win last week, and I read all the Mahomes underdog stats. I knew all of them. I knew he'd be motivated to play against them, and I just thought, you know, Josh Allen's pretty good, too. 
The Bills have been pretty good throughout the course of the season. Those Bills fans are going to be nuts, and they were nuts. I mean, the Chiefs couldn't hear themselves on the field and had to go to, you know, mostly nonverbal communication. And in the end, it just didn't matter. You know, like Mahomes was so good, it didn't matter. And, and to your point, Bob, I mean, the difference for the Chiefs defense is when the Chiefs were up late in that game by three points and it's a two-minute warning, four or five years ago, you'd have been like, oh, no. The Bills are going to score this touchdown here with like four seconds left, and there's nothing the Chiefs can do about it, and there's going to be no time left because they're absolutely not going to mismanage the clock after the 13-second game. You know what I mean? This version of the Chiefs' defense, you know, heated up Josh Allen a little bit, got him uncomfortable, got two incompletions in a row, and forced a really long field goal attempt that Tyler Bass didn't make. So there is a little bit more balance there on that end, too. I, I, I was kind of thinking about this. I mean, to your point, I could – I think if this game gets away from one of the teams, it's going to be from the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Like, like I can envision a scenario where things go well for the Ravens. The Chiefs get behind. They play a little desperate. They're not blocking well. You know, they're getting after Mahomes. He's getting frustrated, trying to play the playmaker role. And this thing kind of unravels a little bit, maybe a little bit reminiscent of the Super Bowl. But I could definitely foresee a scenario sort of like the Bills game, which we just saw in front of our own eyes, which is really good team, really good quarterback, really good staff, uh, you know, pretty good defense and it just it it's Mahomes. It's it's like there's nobody on the planet you'd rather have on your side than this guy. And oh by the way, Travis Kelsey, after he took week eighteen off, is looking a little bit better. And the Chiefs coaches are really stepping up their game in the postseason. They're finding answers in the run game and the pass game against their specific opponents. So you add all those things up and, and I think that does even things up a little bit. Even if classic history game would tell us throughout the course of the season. Yeah, yeah. It, it, history tells us the course of the season that the Ravens should win this game. But it has all the makings of a classic game because you have Mahomes and the underdog factor and him being so good in big games, and uh, that is the ultimate wild card. No, I, I think I just had an epiphany, and here's well, we'll what – will be the judge here's, And I'm not going to exactly tell you the epiphany, <laughs> but it, it relates to this question. How much do you think the regular season – uh, has come to mean to the Chiefs. You see teams in the NBA, they're, they're resting guys. Let's, let's get our 45 wins, and you, we know we have the talent enough to get in the tournament and, and potentially win it. And the Chiefs don't do that. I'm not saying they take it easy or anything, but with Patrick Mahomes, you know you're going to get 11 wins. You can just roll the ball out there. Uh, do you think the regular season still means as much to Kansas City as maybe it did five years ago? Well, I'm not sure it means as much, but – they're trying to win those games, and they're trying to get the one seed because that makes this path way easy. You know what I mean? We're having a different discussion if this game's at Arrowhead. All of a sudden, it's a, a 50-50 coin toss game, even if we think the Ravens are better. I think what happened – I mean, the Chiefs are obviously frustrated throughout the course of the season with their offense and the things that were going wrong and the penalties and the mistakes and the turnovers and the drop passes. I mean, how many times did we discuss all those things with the Chiefs? And that's what's going to trip them up in the playoffs, even though through two games of the playoffs, it really has not tripped them up because they've become a better version of themselves. I think we're going to look back. I mean, if this thing continues to go on, I think we're going to look back at that Raiders game on Christmas and, and really talk about it being the turning point because there were so many bad things happened that game when it came to getting lined up. They get, didn't break the huddle on time. There was confusion. Um, and all those things kind of came to a head where that next week, the Chiefs coaches, players, staff meetings, they changed things up. They're like, this is so bad that there needs to be a major change. So, like, they got coaches together in meetings and said, how can we clean up the pre-snap process? How can we get it so it's more simple so that the players can get signed, get get lined up, get ready to play, get out there, and go make plays? And since then, I mean, really, Cincinnati was better. Uh, they had the Week 18 game that didn't count. 
And then the Dolphins was better. I mean, not perfect, but 26 points. Um, that's going to be good enough for this defense most days. And then the Bills game was one of their best of the season, obviously, uh, was what they were able to do last week. So I, I do think that sometimes you hear Bill Stock talk about this with KU, where, where teams go through stuff is what he calls it. They go through stuff and they come out better because of it. I do think that Raiders game potentially, it seemed like such a bad loss at the time. But it, it made them, it was so bad, it made them shake things up. And them shaking things up offensively has meant that their offense has come out on the other side much better. And now we're seeing a different Chiefs team than before. So if that led to what is happening now, then I think the Chiefs obviously are going to say that was all worth it. All right, Jesse Newell with us from the Kansas City Star. Does Isaiah Pacheco get enough love? Because we talk Mahomes, we talk Kelsey, we talk the receivers. uh, We talk about uh, the the disappointments to some degree of the regular season. This guy has really, really developed into one of the NFL's best rushers, in my opinion. He doesn't make many mistakes, which might surprise people because he runs at such a frantic pace. Uh, But this guy is, to me, a big plus on the Chiefs' side of this game coming up Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a – you know, we can have a conversation about running backs and how they're not as valuable as other players, but I think Pacheco does a couple really, really good things for the Chiefs. One is, like you said, the style he runs with, it gives the Chiefs a physical mentality that really pumps up his teammates. And they want to run the football, and they they want to block hard for him. And – I'm not sure that was around before he came here. You know what I mean? Like the reputation of the, the early 2020s Chiefs are kind of like defensively like eh, a little soft. They don't really hit you in the mouth. You know what I mean? And now you look at the Chiefs it's like, what did Miami come out of that game thinking? Man, this Chiefs team in the cold punched us in the mouth. You know what I mean? They were physical, and they were also physical on the offensive end, and part of that is Isaiah Pacheco. You look at like plays of the game, and we talk all we want about and I just did about, hey, the Chiefs defense got to stop and they got the missed field goal. The game was not over, guys. There's a minute 44 left. Two timeouts for the Bills. Everybody in the stadium knows the Chiefs are going to run it. If you run it three times, you're putting the ball away in bad conditions against the win, and the Bills are getting the ball back with about a minute left with that offense. Uh, and that first down play that Pacheco had was just unbelievable. I mean, he should have gotten like three yards, and he got eight. Uh, he just could continue to move his legs. And listen, he's not a perfect bat. He's not always as patient as he needs to be. When he gets a one-on-one play, he rarely makes the guy miss one-on-one. But what he does so well is what I just said is he turns four-yard gains into seven-yard gains. He turns five-yard gains into nine-yard gains. He's always keeping his pad level low and moving that pile forward. And for this Chiefs offense, those extra yards just mean so much. It changes the situation you need to play with. They don't need a home run back. They need a guy that is physical and that grinds out those yards and is able to put them in better situations. So, yeah, he's been really good, and, and you, we need to put this in there too. Jerick McKinnon's not available. So Isaiah Pacheco is being asked to do a lot more in pass protection and the and the the, uh, the receiving game as well, and he stepped right up to the challenge. So to have all that from a back, to have to play with that mentality and also be a guy on his rookie deal, uh, the Chiefs really found something with that seventh-round pick. What are the odds uh, you think that uh, a lesser-heralded uh, offensive player will, will make a potentially game-changing play? Or do you think it's keep it simple? We got Kelsey, we got Pacheco, we got Rice now. Uh, obviously, Mahomes can can make plays. Uh, is that the more likely kind of scenario? That's a good question because it, it really depends on your thought on this. Because um, if you're playing the Dolphins and you're four and a half point favorites at home, you sort of just want nothing bad to happen. You know what I mean? If, if things just play out as they're supposed to, you're going to win the game. So like. Don't make any crazy fumbles. Don't make any crazy interceptions. Just just play the thing out and hope 
you know, things are pretty much normal. When you're a three-and-a-half-point underdog on the road, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to do some crazy? Like, is Kadarius Tony healthy? Man, that guy's been so unreliable all year, but he's got more wiggle than anybody else in the receiving room. I think for the Chiefs, what's cost them so much this year is just a mistake. So I would not be surprised if they avoided those players, and I'm probably going to throw McCole Hardman in there now since on his two touches Sunday he had two fumbles, including what would have been a crushing, crushing blow if the Chiefs had lost that game uh, for him to fumble at the one-yard line through the end zone. Just a horrible mistake on a first down. Uh, so I don't have that exact answer, but at some point it feels like a Chiefs player is going to have to make a play from home. You know what I mean? Like you can't just scheme up everything open. You can't just have everything um, be just, you know, your coaches being smarter than the other guys. The other guys' coaches are pretty smart too, as we've seen from the Ravens this year. So I don't know who that player is, and it'd be really tough for me to say that no guy's going to stand up after we saw MBS after doing literally nothing all year other than run coverage off make two huge plays in this past game. So that's always possible. That's what makes the playoffs fun is you can completely rewrite the narrative. And I guess one that we'll keep an eye on, um, Sky Moore is eligible to come back. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, would Sky Moore two straight AFC Championship games being the hero? Uh, that would be a crazy storyline if it happened. But like I said, with this Chiefs team, you really just can't count anything out because they're going to need somebody to make a play against the Baltimore Ravens. Well, a hugely anticipated game. We've been talking about it with uh, Kansas City star beat writer Jesse Newell. Jesse, we really appreciate your time. Uh, good luck on your travels to Baltimore, and we'll read your work. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. All right. There's uh, Jesse Newell. Where will you be watching that ball game? KWCH Channel 12. You'll be at the, uh, at the studio, huh? I will. Will folks be gathered around the television? No. We'll all be doing our jobs, but we'll uh, certainly have an eye on the game. We'll have a bunch of TVs that will be on the game. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. A big crew on, on tap Sunday? Uh, not really. Few, uh, we got Haley out there. We got a few producers. TJ will be out there and, and me. All right. Chris Strathman joins us, head girls basketball coach at McPherson. Uh, the Bullpup's always good. Chris, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Your voice is a little shaky. Uh, you been practicing? No, it's just something I deal with. So it's, uh, that's the way it's going to be. Okay. Well, tell us about your uh, basketball team. We were remarking uh, in the last segment about how you uh, load up your schedule. You played Andover. You played Bishop Mies. Those are your two losses. How much do games like that help your basketball team regardless of the outcome? Well, those two games helped a ton. I mean, you're not going to find uh, many better teams in the state um, in any class than Miege and, and Andover. Um, I know Andover's number one in 5A and Miege number one in 4A, um, and very deservedly so. Uh, they both have tremendous players and great coaches, and uh, so those are great challenges for us. We knew going in uh, those were going to be very tough games for us to win. Uh, just like the Derby game before Christmas, it was going to be very tough to win. Uh, we were fortunate enough to beat Derby, but um, the Asian handover got us, but we definitely took a lot away from those games. Yeah, and it's not like it, get, it gets much easier. You have circle. Uh, you know, how, how battle-tested do you feel like this team already is? Uh, I feel very good about where we're at, honestly. You know, we have an extremely tough tournament this week as well. Uh, the circle game was supposed to be January 5th. It got rescheduled for uh, this coming Monday on the 29th. Um, but this week we've got Clearwater on Thursday, uh, first round of our tournament in McPherson. Wow. 
Um, if we win that, we'll play Shawnee Mission South very likely. Uh, they're the new number one in 6A because uh, Blue Valley North finally got beat. Um, and then the other teams that are really tough teams in our tournament uh, include Manhattan, who at seeding time had lost one, and then Olathe South, who's also just lost one. Um, so we've got some really, really tough teams in our tournament. Um, so to load that up as much as we can each year is, is a goal. And then those games before Christmas, like we said, with um, Andover, Derby, Miege, uh, just very tough schedule. And we make it as tough of a, non, a non-league schedule as we possibly can. Well, you get an A-plus for that, I'll tell you. That's an amazing schedule you have. Chris Strathman, head uh, girls basketball coach at McPherson. So we talked uh, to Coach Kinneman uh, recently about his boys' team. They're obviously tremendous, and uh, the girls' team is the same. Uh, we recognize a lot of the names on his team uh, from years gone by. There's certain families in McPherson that just seem to have a pipeline of producing good players, and uh, one of those is the Pyle family. You have a Pyle on your team, Grace Pyle. Uh, tell us about her and tell us about some of your other players that are uh, contributing. Yeah, well, well, Grace actually graduated in 21. Um, well, there so you go. I'm, a, I'm on a roll today. Uh, that's all right. Uh, she is a junior at Pitt State and having a tremendous year for them. So she's having uh, – they have got a really good team this year, and um, she's been scoring the ball well for them most games anyway. And, uh, you know, they were ranked in D2, so they're doing really well. Uh, right now, as far as traditional names in McPherson that people would recognize, uh, we don't have any more piles coming on the girls' side. Uh, but we do have a couple Alexanders, one's a sophomore and and uh, is on our varsity. And then uh, her younger sister is an eighth grader that will be joining us next year. So um, other than that, those are kind of the, the big names that, that people would recognize. But um, other than that, we have uh, just some really solid kids, you know. Um, our leader and best player right now is a senior, Carter Albert. Um, her, her brother was a great baseball player for, for the Bullpups the last couple of years when they won state. Um, so that's kind of an athletic name here in town. Um, other than that, we've got, uh, you know, Kaiden Thompson um, is, a, is a really, really good player on the boys' side. He's a senior. Um, his younger sister, Jayla, is really coming along for us. She's a freshman. Um, and she's just having a great stretch right now since since Christmas anyway and just has a really bright future for us. So those are kind of some of the family connections with names that, that people might be aware of. But, um, you know, the other girls on our team are just kind of first generation, you know, first time through uh, McLeod and Moores and Alrics and people like that that uh, haven't had older siblings in our programs. So it's a little different for them. Yeah, so how do you feel like uh are you in now I feel now I feel uh, shaky about my own knowledge. You're in 5A. 4A. Uh we we're in 4A. Uh we are the Can I we start this week. interview over? <laughs> no, it's it's fine. There you are. Okay, I I found you. Uh so yeah, you're your side of the uh, the state obviously in 4A. You've played tough teams already. Uh do you look at at where you stand in the class because you know you can have a great record and and still be kind of down in the pack a little bit. Uh, how good is 4A? Well, it's it's very good on both sides of the state. It's really good. 
um, on, on the west side as far as seeding and that stuff. Of course, fortunately, we seed on, in 4A. Uh, right now, you've got Wellington. I think they've just lost one. Uh, they're coming off of a great win out at the Colby Tournament. Yeah, they're 12-1. and one. Uh, Circle still lost one. And right now, we're standing in third place in the west um, at 7-2. and two. Um, but like I said, we've got Clearwater. We've got if we win that, we'll have really, really tough games to win on Friday and Saturday, both, and then Circle makeup on Monday. So uh, four games coming up in five days going to be very tough for us. Uh, we look forward to the challenge. So if we can get through that stretch, you know, and, and win at least a couple, three of those, uh, it'd be amazing if we win all four. Honestly, with how tough it's going to be. Um, but I'd, I'd be pretty pretty confident that by the time the end of the season comes, uh, that we'll have a chance to be one of those top four seeds in the West, uh, which would mean we would get to host Substate all the way through, um, which is definitely a goal of ours to be able to do that. So we mentioned uh, Kurt Kenneman and, of course, uh, yourself uh, have been at McPherson for a long time. I'm curious, on a human level, uh, how much you guys uh, – share notes, talk about basketball, uh, are your systems, uh, similar, uh, how much do you, uh, how much do you have in common and then how much maybe do you do a little differently? Well, I think there is definitely some crossover and there are some, some definite differences too. So it does go both ways. And yes, we do share, we share ideas. We bounce things off of each other. Uh, you know, we both have, um, some players that, uh, you know, I felt like I was looking at some stuff over winter break, actually, that uh, that I knew we could benefit from, and I knew one of his best shooters uh, could benefit from, so I shared that. Uh, he shared some stuff with me, too, so it does go both ways. Um, Similarity-wise, you know, we just both have really high expectations for our kids. Uh, we know the community has high expectations for us as coaches and our program, so you know, we hold our kids to a high standard as well. Uh, we go about it a little bit differently, and he would he would be free to admit that. Um, but you know, both of our methods I think seem to seem to be successful. Uh, they seem to have worked for the long term, and and that's always the goal. Um, one thing I think that we both have in common is, you know, our end goal. Um, you know, some years is definitely going to be a disappointment um, if you don't win state with the talent that you might have, but. To me, my end goal, and I think Kurt's as well, is always to maximize whatever talent we do have. And so if that means you end up 16-6 and six and you're done before state, you know, if you maximize your team the best that you could, um, you can look yourself in the mirror and say you did the best that you could. And some years that means you better get to the Final Four uh, with the team that you have and the talent that you have, the depth, et cetera. And anything short of that's probably a disappointment. Um, we're honest with ourselves. We're honest with the expectations that we have, and and we know it. We embrace it, and I think to a large degree because of that, so do our kids. Uh, so our kids know the expectations here in McPherson, and um, I think that they do a great job of handling that. Uh, they do a really good job of, of rising to the level of expectation, uh, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, especially in a community like McPherson. McPherson girls coach Chris Strathman with us. So I, I talked to my son earlier in the show about 
the idea I have, I like to visit Kansas communities. I've obviously been to McPherson a lot in my life, but I've never really explored the community. Well, if we decide to do that on some Sunday afternoon, uh, where should I go? Well, if it's open, you got to go check out the, the community building. You know, as a sports historian, I'm sure you'd, you'd love to see the community building. Um, you know, with the, it's kind of the home court for the 1936 Olympic champions in men's basketball. So it was the first time that uh, it was an Olympic sport. That's their home court. It's been re- replenished or, uh, I'm sorry, re- renovated. And uh, it's just a beautiful place. So that'd be one how to go. Um, now, maybe locked, but we could sure get you in. We'd love for you to see the roundhouse if you're up here on a Sunday. But well, I've been to, I've been to the roundhouse many, many times. Yeah, and it's uh, it's one of the top venues in the state of Kansas, undoubtedly. Yeah, Um, so it it gets a pretty fun place to play, that's for sure. Yeah, well, Chris, we really appreciate it. It's good to talk. uh, Good to talk to you. Uh, The Bullpups in action in your tournament coming up starting Thursday evening against Clearwater. Certainly a game you can't look past. That's a good basketball team as well. So good luck. We appreciate your time. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Chris Strathman. Uh, I was looking at uh, Max Preps. You know, I, I've, I have trouble. There's no real source anymore. No. Uh, so I'm left to trust Max Preps, which listed Grace Pyle as being on the roster this year. Well, somebody needs to update that roster. Well, so why don't you update it? I don't think I have that uh, authority or capability. Well, I mean, I, somebody needs to. I'm tired of looking like a fool. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, nothing. At least you can acknowledge it. All right. We've got an hour left. Jeff has a game that he's going to involve both yours truly and Max in today. Is it a hockey category? No. Well, we'll see how that goes. It's not a sports category. It's not a sports category. Maybe in honor of the Academy Award nominations. Mm, sort of, but not really. All right. We will be back. The Bob and Jeff Show on KFH. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.